As we said, we've been in, uh, we started last week uh, in our prayer and Holy Spirit series. We were talking about praying effectively. And uh, this week I wanted to continue the thought uh, of prayer and the Holy Spirit. As we ramp a little bit closer to Pentecost Sunday, I'm, I'm going to start switching from, uh, I, I'm a little, the first two weeks I see my emphasis on a little more on prayer and a little bit of Holy Spirit. The last two weeks it's going to be a lot of Holy Spirit and a little bit of prayer, okay? So that's where we're going and uh, looking forward to it very much, very much. I'm already looking forward to it and I haven't even preached them yet. And I mean that, honestly, yeah. This... Uh, in your uh, bulletin, you'll see the sermon outline and the questions for the uh, sermon-based groups this week uh, that you can take those and uh, peruse those and use them this week in your groups. Ephesians chapter 3, put it up for me, verse 14. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. This is, again, last week we looked at a prayer in Acts chapter 4, This is, again, one of the great prayers of the church here found in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble, tribulation, whatever word, whatever version you like to read. But in this world, we will have trouble. Life can get tough sometimes. I don't need to tell you that, you know. It becomes more difficult during certain periods of our lives to believe and to stay believing that God is able, that he's really able to bring the change that we so desperately need. And so today, I just want to encourage us. This is about encouraging you today to believe. I want to encourage us today to believe that God is still able. We're going to focus on verse 20 that he is able, more than able, to, 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 to do more than you can ask or think. And that's our key verse today. He is able. In fact, he's more than able. See, it's easy to have faith at the beginning. You know, when you're, you, have a, you have an issue and you have the faith to believe, God, you're going to get me through this. It's easy to have faith at the beginning. And then at the end, when God does something great, it's easy to have faith at the end. The, the trouble with us is keeping the faith in the middle, right? It's keeping the faith in the middle. And I know today, as I speak, that some of you are right smack dab in the middle of an issue, and you're struggling today 
wondering, is God able? When's he coming through? I want to encourage you today. You had faith at the beginning. You're going to have faith at the end. So keep the faith in the middle. Hold on to it, for it is precious and it is powerful. See, we've, we, we, at times we lose our belief in God to do impossible things. Have we lost that belief? Like, do we use prayer? I was thinking about this. Do we use prayer like a spare tire or like a steering wheel? M- meaning, you know, you, you pull prayer out only in cases of emergencies, only when times are really tough, only when you have no other direction to go to. Or, or do you use it more like a steering wheel that you, it, it, it's something that is a part of your life every day that is directing and steering your choices and the things you do and the places you go. This is what prayer is meant to be. See, the, the enemy and our own doubts begin to creep in and begin to cause us grief. Satan did it, by the way, all the way back to Adam and Eve, right at the beginning. Remember when God said, do not eat the fruit, right? It's what he said. Satan takes those words and he comes to Adam and Eve. Eve gets a lot of slack for it, but Adam was there too. Read the word and you'll see, right? And the, and the enemy comes, God says, do not eat the fruit. And, and, and then the enemy says, did God really say don't eat the fruit? He begins to plant these little doubts right at the beginning of, the, of, of time, and he still does it. We say God is able, and this is what happens when the enemy and our own doubts start to creep in. We flip two words around. Instead of saying God is able, all of a sudden we start saying, is God able? And you see how moving two words changes everything, right? It begins to put bad thinking into our brains. It begins to rob us of our joy. It it steals our faith. God is able. Say it with me. Come on. God is able. Don't mess that phrase up. Matthew Henry, one of the great uh, old-time Bible commentators, he said this. He said, There is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God which the prayers of the saints can never run dry. Whatever we may ask or think to ask, still God is able to do more, abundantly more, even exceedingly abundantly more. And Matthew Henry has it bang on. Here's some verses to build our faith today. See, God can bring healing and wholeness to us today. Come on, someone said amen. He, he can change our circumstances. He can, he can revolutionize our family. He can bring transformation, parent, to the prodigal son or prodigal daughter that needs his touch. Do you believe this? God is able. Today we're going to encourage ourselves to believe that our God is still able. He is, he is, he is. Look at Matthew 19, verse 26. It says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Right out of the words, the, the, the right out of the mouth of Jesus, his very own words. See, when we pray, we shouldn't put limits on God. And I think we do all the time. God, fill my cup. And he says, I have the Pacific Ocean to pour in. You know? 
like we limit him so much. Do you believe? When we pray, don't put limits on God. He is able, the word says, he's actually more than able to do exceedingly abundantly, more than you could ask or even think. You can't even think something that God can't do. It's not possible. He can do more than that. Look at this, Matthew 18, 19. It says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Matthew 21, 21, it says, then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. John 14, verse 13, you can pray for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. John 15, 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And this one we looked at last week, 1 John chapter 5. It says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Jesus taught us that our prayers, we talked about this last week, that that our prayers need to begin with acknowledging his greatness, with his power, with his authority, that your kingdom will come, that what? Your will will be done, right? Our prayers should be focused on God's glory. And when our prayers are in line with that, then all of a sudden impossible things begin to happen. That our, our prayers are, look, we pray such small prayers. We, we can pray prayers and say, Lord, this is, you're the only one who can do this. You're the only one who can answer this. This is the kind of prayer that he likes. I'm absolutely convinced. Because you can't say, oh, a doctor did it, or a lawyer bailed me out, or the pastor gave me something. No, God and God alone did this, and I know it. He loves prayers like that, that, that we give God the glory through our prayers. Do something, Lord, and do it in such a way that only you would get glory for this. That's a powerful prayer, that your name would be lifted high, that you would get the attention, that you would get the praise, that you would get the recognition and the honor, that your name would be shouted because of the result of our request being answered. This is the kind of praying that is powerful today and still powerful. There's hindrances to our prayers. There's a lot. We talked a little bit about this last week, but just a couple more. There, there are times, you'll see in your outline, there are times that we don't pray because we think God will never answer. Don't, don't put up your hand. I'll put it up for you. Have you ever not prayed about something because you didn't think it was going to happen? Don't! I'll be the sacrificial lamb. We get discouraged sometimes. We get doubtful. We start looking at the size of the problem instead of the size of our God. And all of a sudden, God is able switches to, is God able? And all of a sudden, this this sinister little thing begins to happen in our spirit. And we 
We don't pray. See, doubt and, and, and discouragement, it hinders our prayers. It robs us of our prayers. We, we've started to look at the wrong thing. Look at what James says in James chapter 1. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's been us. Many times, many times, many times, read the Gospels. Jesus scolds the disciples by saying this phrase, You of little You have little faith. You've seen me do great things. You of little faith. You know who I am. You of little faith. Why don't you believe? You of little faith. They saw him walk across the water. You of little faith. You know, it, 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 it's, it's an issue for us. Many times it's an issue of faith, and doubt and discouragement will hinder our prayers. So that's one. Second, we don't pray I'm trying to hurry through so I can get through all my stuff because this is really good. Not me, but this stuff is good that I got, all right? We don't pray because we really don't want to change. We just don't want to change. So let me give you an example. Don't put up your hand. Just say, yeah, pastor, or ouch. That's, that's true. Come on now. But people will stop praying because the Lord has pointed out something in their lives. You know, and they wanted their way and God doesn't want to do it their way, and so they just stop. Like, how about this? Lord, heal, heal my back. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, I'm a lot more concerned about your pride and your arrogance than your back. Why don't we deal with that first? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. We don't really want to change. See, when you ask him to do something, like we talked about last week, you may ask him to do A, but he wants to do B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P before he swings around and gets back to A. You've got to work it through. You've got to let him work through the process. And sometimes we don't pray. It's a hindrance because we don't really want to change. It happens all the time, right? If we don't deal with stuff as it, as it, as it rises up in our prayer life, then our prayer life will suffer. That's what happens, right? You begin to spend time with Jesus. It's really an obedience issue. Do you get that? It's really an obedience issue. You begin to spend time in his presence, get your face in the word, and you're reading, and all of a sudden you get convicted, and you begin to feel that there's things in your life that you need to change, but you simply refuse to change, and you keep calling on God to do this, and he's, he's trying to work on this before he gets to that. It's a problem that happens in our lives. We don't pray because we really don't want to change. And it's brutal, brutally bad on our behalf. Third, we don't pray because we're afraid. We're afraid. Uh, put up for me Mark 5.35. It says, while he was still speaking to the messengers, to, to, well, still speaking to her, sorry, the, uh, the messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. So there's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. 
just have faith. If you even casually read the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see a phrase that rises up again and again and again and again. Don't be afraid. Have you noticed that? When the angels come to the shepherds, don't be afraid, right? It, it, it's all over, you know. The, the angel shows to Daniel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Don't be afraid. We are afraid. How many times does he tell us and order us, command us, encourage us, don't be afraid? You see, because fear is this crippler. It paralyzes us. It, it's, it keeps us stuck. It steals our joy. It ruins our life. It, it, it hinders us from moving forward. It is not what God wants for us, right? He has, what does the word say? He has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Come on, help me out now. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. He, he has given us those things. So when we're afraid, It's not from God. There's normal fear, like if a grizzly bear is running after me, I'm afraid, and, you know, that's normal. He gives me that for self-preservation. I'm not talking about that kind of fear, right? You know what I'm saying, right? I'm talking about something in your life that is paralyzing you, crippling you, keeping you stuck. It it is not from God. And when we're afraid, you see, when we're afraid, it's, it's really hard to have faith. Do you understand? It's really hard to have faith. It's hard to be positive. It's, it's hard to trust God. It steals everything from us. It's a tool that the enemy uses, and it hinders our prayers because I'm afraid. I'm afraid what might happen. I'm afraid to even say the words, or I'm afraid it won't happen. We get afraid that it won't happen, and then sometimes we get afraid that it will happen. Never happened to anybody here, but I heard it's happened before. You know, like, we, it happens, right? Like, we're afraid. We have a serious issue with being afraid. And it hurts us and hinders our prayers. That's a whole sermon series right there. Put it in my C drive for later. Like, we've got to keep moving on. Now, we, here's another one. We pray with the wrong motive. We pray with the wrong motive. Look at James 4, 1 to 3. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You, you want only what will give you pleasure. See, if we pray selfishly, if we continue to justify our sin justify uh, living in disobedience, doing things that we absolutely know are wrong, that he's putting his finger on, you need to change this, right? If we pray with the wrong motives, with the wrong intentions, our prayers are hindered. 
They cannot be as effective as they should be. It was like this joke I read. You'll think it's funny, I hope. There was this young man, he was walking down a beach, and uh, he found an old bottle, and he pulled the cork, and a genie appeared. The genie says, I'll give you three wishes. The man says, awesome. Okay, so first, I want $1 billion in my bank account, and poof, there it is. Second, he says, I want a brand new red Ferrari, and poof, there it was right in front of him. And he says, now, here's my third one. My third wish is that I would be completely irresistible to women. Poof, he was turned into a box of chocolates. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah. You can use it. You can use it. Praying with the wrong motive. Be careful what you pray for. Right? You may get it. Oh, my goodness. Yo. It's a good thing God is good and that he has our best. You, you pray for something and he must shake his head and go, I can't give you that. Do you know what that would do to you? Soon Dominic will be asking for ice cream for dinner. And Carly will have to say no. Robbie would probably say yes. But uh, <laughs> no, you can't have ice cream for dinner. Because I'm smarter than you, and I know that, that that's not good for you. You can't do that, right? He knows so much about us. And when you understand, like we talked about yesterday, Jesus said, start by, pray like this, our Father. It's this connection, this relationship, that he's a good Father, that he knows how to look after his own, and that he's for us and not against us, just like a good earthly parent would be. So praying with the wrong motives will hinder our prayers. Always remember that prayer is always about getting God's will done, bringing God's will to earth as it is in heaven, right? So it's not about getting your wish, your desire, your thing being done. It's about his name being lifted high. It's about him getting the praise, him getting the attention. And when we pray with the wrong motive, you better not bet the farm that you're going to get that prayer. That will be a bad bet on your behalf. Led by the Spirit. Uh, look at Ephesians three nineteen and 20. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now here it is. Now all glory to God who is able... Through his mighty power, that, that's what? At work, where is, where is it? Within us. To accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. See, so it says, through his mighty power that's at work within us, great things can be done. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God's Spirit in us, working through us, why do we need him? We need him for so many reasons. But we, we don't have the wisdom. We don't have the strength. We don't have the power. Our best efforts will sometimes fall short. If you trust only in yourself, you'll only get what you can do, right? We limit God when we just trust in ourselves, right? We're limiting God, what he can do in us, what he can do for us, what he can do through us. That is, it's his mighty power at work within us. 
that is the, the, the power that we'll be able to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think, right? So it's important. It must be the Holy Spirit working his power in us. God can do anything, but we must surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit to see his power in action. The Bible talks about constantly about being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll show you some videos in the weeks to come uh, to uh, sort of show that. But the, the, more of the, the more Holy Spirit, the more the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you, the less room there is for yourself, right? It's like a cup, and you just keep pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, you know, and when it's full, nothing else can be added. This, he, he fills us up. This is, this is it. He wants to fill us up right to the brim so that nothing else can get in. No self is left, no nonsense. It's just the power of the mighty Spirit of God, right? When we confess our complete need of him, this is when he offers us everything, right? This is when he offers us everything, right? We've talked about that before, the paradox of following Jesus, right? When I am weak, then I am, right? When you say, Lord, I surrender, I can't do it, I, I need you. He's like, yes, that's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. See, if we cut ourselves off from the Holy Spirit, we cut ourselves off from the only real power that we have. It's him who, who the Bible says, who guides us into all truth. It's him who reveals God's will to us. It's him who instructs us. It's him who leads us in prayer. It's him who gives us power. It's him who gives us everything we need. It is him. Jesus left, sent the Holy Spirit so we might have everything that we need. Look at Romans 8.14. It says, For all for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I'm gonna, I'll tell a story about that verse later, but this verse, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit many years ago, and this verse uh, was the key to it all. It changed my life, and I'm not joking. It's not hyperbole. This verse means a lot to me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You see, he's not supposed to be our spare tire. He's supposed to be our steering wheel. He's supposed to be the one we get behind every day and let him guide us along the path that we need to follow. When the Holy Spirit is leading us, impossible things begin to happen and can happen. And listen, let me just say this. If there's a church, if there's a church in this town that should believe that. It's got to be us. And it's not just because, listen, it's not just because we're like crazy Pentecostals. No, no. We just live this, right? Could you imagine two, three, four years ago, this and everything that fell into place. If you're our guest today, we just did a close to a $10 million project. We moved in, and we have money left over in the bank. Jesus. 
if there's any church in this town that should believe the Holy Spirit can do impossible things, it should be us. Because we've just seen it with our own eyes. We've just experienced it, walked it through. You know, there's still times I sit in meetings with Ron, our treasurer, and I go, how did we pay those bills? And he's like a good bean counter, you know. He's really keep, he's excellent at it. And he's like, he'll say, PJ, I don't really know. Every time we needed a bill, the money was there. Every time, every time. It's God. It's God. It's God. It's an example of God's power right here in the middle of our town. We are an example of his power. Look, the Bible is filled. Last, I've got to wrap up here. The Bible is filled with examples of God doing great impossible things through people. Okay? So I, I, I took a quick scan. There's so many to choose from, but here's just a few. Starting way back in Genesis, Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Abraham is 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90. 90! God had promised them a son. They were still waiting. Years had passed. She's well beyond the years of childbirth, as far as I know. Just saying. But with God, anything's possible, right? They have a visitor, and he says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to visit you about one year from now, and your son will be here ready, and I will see your son and greet you and your wife and your son. And Abraham goes, wow. And Sarah is listening inside the tent, the word says, and she started to laugh. Laugh. How could that be possible? He's 100, and I am 90. How could that possibly happen? And then the angel says, I heard you laughing. And she goes, I didn't laugh. He said, I heard you laughing. And you will see in one year from now when I return and you're holding your son in your arms. One year later, the son is alive and well. She gives birth at 90 years old, right? Moses is told, lead the people out of Egypt. Go to the Pharaoh and tell him that you want him to release the the, uh, Israelites out of slavery. Moses says, I can't even speak. I have a lisp. I don't even talk well. How do you think I'm going to walk in and tell the Pharaoh anything? I'm nobody. He says, do it. For I am with you. Impossible things are done when you're led and, 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 uh, and instructed by the Spirit of God, right? Moses leads the people out of Egypt. He tells them, go down to this path. They're, they're against the desert and the Red Sea. And he's like, oh my goodness, has God lost his mind? Now what? As the Egyptians are bearing down on them. Do you think, do you think for a second when Moses was leading that way, he was thinking, yeah, I think he's just going to part the sea and we're just going to walk through. Like, maybe, but I doubt it. I think he's wondering... What is going on? The chaos of millions of people and I'm the leader and everybody's going to get slaughtered. What is going on? God says, stretch out your hand. He stretches out his hand and the seas part and the people walk across on dry ground. Led by the Spirit, right? Daniel. Daniel gets thrown into a pit of hungry lions and he he just lays around with them, pets them like they're little kitty cats. See you later, Leo. 
They let him out the next morning. He's fine. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on. They, they, say to the, they say to the king, we refuse to worship your idol. We refuse. And listen, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he is not, even if he does not, we will not bow down. Nebuchadnezzar is so angry, he heats up the furnace seven times normal, hotter than normal. Even the soldiers who tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the furnace, it says the fire was so hot that the soldiers were killed throwing them into the fire. That's how hot the fire was. Those three dudes are walking around. Guys, I've never walked inside a fire before. Oh, wait, there's not three, there's, well, 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 Jesus shows up. They walked out of the fire. They walked out of the fire. It says, not only were they completely safe and Jesus shows up, but they walked around, walks around with them. They walked out and it says, they didn't even smell like smoke. You can't stand behind a bonfire for five minutes without smelling like smoke. I just had one last week. I smelled like smoke. They walk out, don't even smell like smoke. We talked about this, uh, about about our building project here. Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. uh, Probably there was 10 or 15,000 people, but 5,000 men and wives and children with a little boy's lunch. A little boy's lunch. The disciples didn't even see this. They didn't have, they, they couldn't fathom how this could possibly happen. Look at John 6, verse 8 and 9. This is what it says. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Just give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. He feeds 5,000 people. And for their trouble, he leaves them 12 baskets left over. I love that. Every disciple has to carry a basket home. Don't believe I can feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to each give you a basket to take home. That's what he did. That's not random. 12, I love that. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Give what you have to Jesus and let him do his thing. Right? This is what we said in our building project. Look, we're, we're not multimillionaires. We're just going to give what we can, and we're going to let God do the rest. And that's what he did. And that's why, that's why we're here today. That's why there's a plan. God has a plan. He didn't bring us here. He didn't bring us here with no plan. Do you believe that? Like, there are good days ahead, church. He brought us here because he has things for us to do, lives for us to touch. Like, we're we're going to see transformation impact. We're going to see healing. We're going to see salvations. We're going to see great things happen. He did it. He's setting us up for something great. Keep the faith in the middle. Keep the faith in the middle. Keep the faith in the middle. We talked about last week, Acts chapter 5, or uh, yes, uh, Acts chapter 5, when after they, in Acts 4, where they prayed, and it says God shook the room where they were. He filled them with the Holy Spirit, and then they went out and did signs and wonders among the people. That's what it says. Acts chapter 5, we read, after they prayed, God shakes the room, the disciples go out, they see signs and wonders. People even wanted Peter's shadow 
to fall on them as he walked down the street. They were laying people out on the road. You see my shadow? See my shadow? You guys see my shadow? Could you imagine? His shadow. Seriously. His shadow. It's not Peter. He's just a dude. It's Jesus. It's the power of the Spirit. They prayed with good intentions and said, Lord, give us the boldness. Give us the victory. Give us the strength. Remove our fear so that we can face what we have to face with boldness. And give us signs and wonders so that your name would be lifted high. They walked out of that room and they began to see it with their own eyes. It changed everything. Paul and Silas. I was going to say, sitting in a tree. But that says, that's Zacchaeus. Yeah. Paul and Silas sitting in jail. What were they doing? Come on. Yeah. They were, they were saying, woe is me. Man, this sucks being in jail. I guess God's abandoned us. Guess it's over. No faith in the middle. He told us to go evangelize, told us to come to this town. And now look where we're at. I guess, no. 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 They sit down and let's say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We bless his name when he gives and we bless his name when he takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And they sit down and begin to praise. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. You feel something? I don't know, man. Just keep singing. Lord, I love to sing. The doors spring open and they walk out free. They go to the jailer's house and the whole family and the whole... The, guys, the guy and his whole family get saved and transformed. This is what God can do. So think about the times, folks. Think about the times he's done something for you. I know that there's a whole pile of testimonies in this room. If we had the time, we, we could be here a long time. Amen? Think about the times that he's done something for you. Come on. Can you, now, now I want you to, now I want you to, can you say there's something in your life that's happened that, I, that you know for sure that God did? Something, anything in your life. You say, there's no doubt in my mind God did this, Amen. right? Wasn't a doctor, wasn't a pill, wasn't a pastor, wasn't a book. All those things are helpful, but this was God. God showed up and he did this. Think about the times that he's done something for you. It's not just in the Old Testament. It's not just in the New Testament. It is in the 20th century. God is alive and well and doing things in our midst. And he is here. Right? 
Think about what he's done. He has saved you. He has carried you. He has opened doors that should never have been opened. He has moved mountains. He is the first and the last. He is the creator. He is the keeper of all things. He's the architect of the universe who always was, always is, and always will be. He is freedom. He is life. He is healing. He is unmoved. He is unchanged. He is undefeated. He is unstoppable. This is who he is. He is unstoppable. Job 42. I gotta I gotta be quiet now. Here's Job. I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. Is God able? God is able. Can he do great things? Yes. He is more than able. Able to do more, abundantly more, exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or even think because He's God, the Creator, the One who holds the world in His hands. He is for us, not against us. He wants to do great things in us and through us. Why can't we believe in a great God like that? It's time that we believe to put our doubts out in the trash and to say, God, You are good, You are great, and I am believing You for great things. Keep bringing in the prayer requests. I'm telling you, God's going to do something in here. God's going to change these things. We're going to have a service after and just tell you all the great things that God has done. This is what he's going to do. I don't know how many are here, but there's a whack. We Look, I'd like a thousand of these. Thousand. I'm not joking. Bring in a thousand. So get busy this week, all right? Come on.